0: Sally Winter, welcome to the purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We met on LinkedIn and I was taken by your phenomenal story. So for those that don't know you, tell the audience what you do, or what you've done.
1: What well, I've done, Definitely. I'm doing a lot of things as always. Um, so I guess most people will know me um, from my gym business, um, which I launched about a year and a half after finishing uni. Um, well, I started to work on the idea. Uh, I launched in 2019 and I had a, a whirlwind, um, very fast exit, which was very uh, completely life-changing for, for me. Mm. So um, that's kind of the story, I guess, that most people would have, would have heard of if they know me at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was absolutely... Let's just start with that. I was taken aback. I mean, tell us the story. You started from your bedroom with a few hundred quid and it sold for seven figures, something like that, within a space of 18 months. Am I right there or...?
1: Yeah, so I think roughly that from kind of idea to to sale. Um, so yeah, I got the bug out of nowhere really for the whole entrepreneurship thing. I had no fucking clue that this existed, <laughs> um, and I really just got the bug overnight and became actually obsessed with an idea before the gin. Mm. And I didn't know anyone in. I didn't really know what a startup was. I didn't know anyone that had even a business going up. So. I was like, you know, everyone does have ideas when they're watching Dragon's Dead and so on and so forth. But I had this one idea, and for the first time ever, I couldn't find a reason why I thought, okay, this won't work because of X or Y. Right. Um, And I, um, so after that, I kind of couldn't get out of my head. I wasn't sleeping. I was, like, obsessed with this idea. It was an idea for a food app at the time. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I, I need to do something about this because... This is weird. Like, I'm just behaving weirdly. Like, I can't stop going on about it. I literally am yeah. not sleeping. Yeah. And um, a couple of weeks later, I saw uh, a little like um, ad, I guess, in the Evening Standard about a kind of entre- entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs of the future event. You know, typical format: a bunch of speakers throughout the day and so on. The thought, yeah. right? It was ten pounds. I bought it on the spot, and I was like, I'm going to that. Right. And that was my first ever exposure to that, that, this world I guess and um, the speakers I don't really remember much of but what I do remember is meeting people like me and for the first yeah. time feeling like I wasn't like alone or weird I guess and people of mm. a similar energy who were young and ambitious but wanting to kind of really go out there and do something different and I thought yeah. wow okay um, and I kind of never l- looked back since and that was kind of the beginning of my journey I guess. Mm-hmm. Six months later, um, wow. I had the idea for the gym.
0: It's kind of like almost a feeling like entrepreneurialism was, or setting up a business was kind of already in, in the pipe, in the universe, in your blood or whatever, because it feels like your intuition kind of took over and you thought, I've got to do this, would you say? or
1: It was a compulsion, for sure. Right. Yeah, uh, it was just total obsession. Um, mm. Like living, thinking, breathing it and just had to. Yeah, there was really a choice for me. Yeah. I think for me, probably looking back now, did come in stages to a degree. So I was freelancing um, out of uni rather than, well, during uni and then throughout kind of after in film um, and broadcast journalism. So that, I already had the bar and I went, right, I like this. I like being able to pick when I can take time off and pick where I work and move around. So immediately I was like, I never want to, but also because I was getting kind of short stints of exposure in bigger organisations. And I was also doing a lot of interviewing actually. I kind of got this insight into what it was like in corporate life. And I was like, no, No, no. (laughs) not for me. And then I think like many people having that realisation of the way that the system is, kind of weighed against the individual like you know you're going to be in a career until you're what is it like 67 68 then you're allowed to retire what have you got like 10 15 years before you croak it like i just think it's (laughs) how is that appealing
0: i think it's a scam i can't put another way a word on it you know you you work your life away for like a small pension at the end and you 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 got enough to kind of maybe get a nice car nice house whatever it's kind of like
1: You want to live while you're young, right? You want to enjoy it while you're young. You don't want to have to slave away and then go through the whole rigmarole of. Mm. It's just it wasn't enough for me from a very young age. That that realization I did have like age twelve or thirteen. Yes. Entrepreneurship stuff and actually figuring that out like that came way later.
0: I want to go back right to school to now, but I want to talk about go back to the business as well. So how did you build and scale the business? Talk talk it through from kind of cradle to grave, and it was also a unique thing as something with CBD involved as well, right?
1: Yeah, so it was the UK's first uh, CBD or cannabis-infused gin. Mm -hmm. Um, For all those that don't know, CBD is a cannabinoid, so it's a kind of compound found in the cannabis plant that's non-psychoactive right um so it's definitely associated with kind of therapeutic healing anti-inflammatory qualities and basically exploded first in the U.S. um which obviously have been much more cannabis friendly than the UK for a long time but that's starting to change now yeah and essentially I had this initial idea it didn't quite work out because I basically I managed to get some a one-to-one mentoring session Mm. um For running running competition actually which was great but that kind of the person I sat down was like you know great a tech idea so you just need to raise loads of money and find like a technical team and build credibility and me being like the equivalent of basically a child of business I was like I have no clue how how to do do that. Yeah, any of that so I was like I can't like it taught me what I needed which was like something I could start without money something probably tangible yeah I wanted something I could hold on to and that if I needed to I could sell because I was very scared of you know kind of yeah. I didn't have much money to play with so what I put in was I was very careful. How about. much did
0: you put in then? Yeah
1: so um, obviously I had the idea and then over 10 months um, it was around a thousand pounds right so about 500 went on uh, branding and design label uh, I think 200 roughly slightly under on trademarking um, about 150 on website, mm. everything really you need to be basically ready to go and, and yeah. sell.
0: So how did you market it then? Because, I mean, that that is a shoestring budget and it blows the concept that you have to have investment, you have to have all the bells and whistles. It just blows that out of the water. If the product's right, mm. you're laughing, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that that's definitely what the bit, the plan in my head was. I yeah. thought that it was very green in business. But, I mean, I was quoted like 60 to 80,000 to start, just to get to that point. So, really? yeah, 1,000 was... <laughs> definitely not by design was just what i had to play with i was on about 10 pounds an hour and i was just mm. you know spending saving and spending 200 pounds here you know i didn't even have a thousand pounds in one go i just right. had a bit here a bit there and i spent when i only absolutely had to um but yeah my big plan was <laughs> I started, i'd never done a business before was, okay, I'm going to have a gin, it's going to have CBD. Gin is already popular, mm. CBD is already booming. Right. There's loads of problems with CBD, the oil tastes like crap. Yeah. Um, there's a stigma around cannabis. Yes. And people aren't used to taking oils. I'm a strong believer that when you come up with a, a product especially, you, sh- you shouldn't challenge people in too many ways. Right. So if you want a really weird flavour, have something in a familiar vessel, for example, like... Yeah. An Ice cream, but with a weird flavor, not like a weird flavor and something you've never heard of. So the oils were weird in themselves. So I went, What is something that the UK population is so comfortable with and buys every week? Well, gin is that. And then (laughs) naturally, (laughs) booze, booze all the way, but particularly gin, because there'd been this gin boom that had come, and so it's really well established. And I think because I've been a a, a student and I've noticed people starting, like younger people drinking gin, obviously the the trend had changed a lot from traditional forms and tonic of kind of 50-somethings that were drinking it prior. And I thought, okay, I want to reflect that because all the gin brands on the market, you've got, first of all, a million kind of location-based gin from every kind of village, town, city in the UK now has its gin. And the design-wise, they were all very antiquated. You look like Bombay Sapphire, Gordon's, it's like the calligraphy writing, the royal symbols... So I wanted to shake that up and make something edgy that reflected kind of the newer demographic mm. um, of people in their young 20s drinking it. So it looked weird. It had a weird name, MooHoo. Mm. It was inspired by travel and it had this this CBD infusion.
0: Wow. So you did all the product design and also the, the, the actual the, 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 the tasting and the testing of it. All How did you get it to a point where, right, this gin's ready to go to market?
1: I forced myself into it so i was doing bits by bit by bit and you know there was loads of up and downs during that process like can i actually do it there's like a huge mountain to climb up ahead um but i think when i had the product ready so, in, was it in terms from, of the from, design, was it from your kitchen or did you have? Yeah, have like so a... the way I did it was um, I started off my kitchen wow. um, and I used kind of, you know, on the market gin, supermarket gins, yeah. and then I got samples from um, food flavoring companies wow. for different flavors that I was interested in. Yeah. And then I'd add sort of drips of these as a super concentrated um, sure. flavorings into gin and I'd mess around with flavors that way. Yeah. Um, and then I had this battle of finding a distillery. So the very key thing here, people probably were thinking, well, what about this? It's product development, right? Because I was quoted 10 to 20,000 for you know, basically product development from distilleries. So yeah. I had to look around because I didn't have that kind of money and I ended up finding a distillery that mm. was happy to do product development for free. Um, and so, once I had something that I could, you know, I, I knew roughly what I wanted, I went, okay, I got in touch with them, mm. and then we worked based on the kind of recipes they had, and, you know, I, they recreated essentially in a professional way what I was doing at home.
0: So, why do they do it for free? I'm interested in that. Was it they, yeah, they something of, in the product? A or? lot of
1: people ask this, yeah. and it's simply removing a barrier to you being a customer for them. So, okay, um, right, yeah. you know, especially if they've got a certain, you know, big level of turnover, yeah. um, I mean, I guess they probably have to have, you know, you have to have an idea that you sound committed to probably mm. as well, but mm. actually there's still the still trials for gin and stuff they don't take that long right, It's okay. kind of a set up leave come back so they didn't have even a ask check. for a
0: kickback when it was being sold or anything like that, or was there a deal? no because
1: right. you know they're getting they're going to be the sole manufacturer yeah. so okay. um yeah, it's not always the case and lots of food and drink you will have to pay for mm. it but um, I mean
0: the food and drink that that market is so competitive, so saturated right
1: oh yeah, it's such a shame because I love. I'm a massive foodie and I love food and drink.
0: Yeah.
1: But as a, as a business space, I think as I've, you know, d- over the years and having been in it and then having been out of it now, yeah. I just think it's so tough. Like you can be an amazing person in business, but to do well in food and drink yeah. is insanely tough. And actually, I think of Moohoo, the gin, as a CBD product yeah. more than a food product, food and drink product for that reason.
0: Mm. So, how did you get it into stores? What did you do it online? What stores did you get to? And how, how, what were the sales like?
1: So, the biggest challenge for me was actually launching so it's all good and well having the concept the branding the yeah, trademark of course. but what I didn't have is the money to actually fund the first production run so you're thinking about this you need to order bottles you need to order the label run you need to order and pay for the stoppers etc yeah. etc and yeah. then obviously the actual production itself so this was one of my biggest challenges and the way I eventually got round it was I paid for the um, the labels on a 0% credit card and then I got that label and I had one sample bottle which yeah. I had free from the glass company. Right. I stuck this label on, I actually filled the bottle with water and then um, I was working as a kind of production assistant at the time so on one of the shoots that we were doing in kind of a trendy shoreditch apartment with like you know kind of walls and stuff. Yeah. Um I nabbed the photographer at the end and I was like, "Do you mind just taking a couple of shots?" Mm. So, um the actually product shots I got were actually like my hand holding it and it's like there's wow. no editing or anything in just it, but they came out really nice. Off
0: the cuff. Yeah. Off the
1: cuff free mm. of charge again. Like wow. you have to learn how to kind of get around things. Yeah. And then I used those images to do a launch and a, and I kind of I managed to get in the press. That was the goal. And then I had the press coverage that fueled traffic to the website where mm. I had pre-orders set up. Wow! And then and this was very, like looking back, loads of things went wrong with this. But the pre-orders then, the money I could use that to like yeah. basically pay for most of the production yeah. run. So.
0: I just get the sense with you. It's like, it, it, it is your ability and your skill, but it was also your mindset. I mean, I built a 25 million pound business and I've never built a business before, but in my head, in my heart and my soul, I, I just knew that, I was ready and able to do it. I didn't even know how. I think with you, it's a, it was the same thing, right? You kind of had this insatiable belief that it was going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I kind of had a belief, like I had to keep going, but mm. then it was also punctuated by incredible levels of like self-doubt in between. So I would like sure. yo-yo between the two, weirdly, yeah. which is why actually the 10 months of development could have been done in like four or five, but right. I had like months where yeah, I just, I just couldn't. Get my head into the right place, I think, and being alone as well. Like I did, that's why yeah. the network bit is so important—the meeting people and Absolutely. going to these networking drinks and stuff. But ultimately, yeah. I was still alone; didn't have any mentors. Mm. So that takes a, a huge toll, you know. And sure, mindset does. is, you know, the most yeah. important thing, as you'll know. So. so what did you
0: what did you learn then in terms of? I want to talk about the sale process as well, but what did you learn on that journey around kind of um, the adversity and, and loneliness? What What has it taught you now, on reflection? Do you think?
1: That there's, that I think, like being around, like having people around you, having mentors or co founders is important. Yes. But, and there is the big but here you don't want a co founder or business partner for the sake of not being alone, because that can cause more stress or as much stress Mm. in a slightly different capacity as being alone. Like that can really (laughs) cause a lot of mental anguish. So, um, but yeah, certainly a lot of mistakes I I, I made along the way, even just to, mm. to launching. So my yeah. first production run actually ended up getting dropped by a forklift driver right. and it smashed everything. And then I had these people who had ordered you know a reasonably expensive bottle of gin, yes who were waiting, yes, and I was just frozen up, so I didn't email yeah. anyone, and it was like eight, maybe yeah. six to eight weeks before people got their bottles, I think because they pre-ordered it, there was slightly more of an understanding, but right right I did get the odd email, like what's happening and if it, yeah. eventually I got something out, but so much stuff got went wrong, like the labels were not struck, mm. they were not set up on the right reel for the machinery, and there was yeah. loads of stuff that went wrong, which is why I now look back and go that that was a risky way to launch, but you know when you yeah. have to get around things you so from to get launch around.
0: to sell how many people did you have when you exited the business working with you or for you just me was yeah you did this all on your own i did this all on my and own the rest were just suppliers or distributors. yeah and, no, right. so not no, even, f- no not even not even freelance oh, help okay. no wow. so
1: okay. um so it was september so end of 2018 is when i had the idea yeah september is when i did the soft launch right um i think product reached customers at the end of october um and the PR basically did everything for me. So it was awareness. It got, grew my following on LinkedIn. And it meant that two months later when I was burnt out, because I was walking 30,000 steps a day in London with a heavy backpack full of this sample bottle that I kept refilling. So rather than ordering you know, lots yeah. of bottles, apart from ones that were going direct to consumer, I had this one sample bottle and I basically had a, a big blue carton of yeah. just the liquid because that's so much cheaper to get from the distillery. Yeah. And I was filling that up and then going bar to bar with probably no strategy at wow. all. I was just trying to reach out everywhere and, you know, going, you know, because c- you know, they expect to try the liquid. So you lose half a bottle of gin, worth of gin every time you go into a bar. The bartender messes around yeah. or made, like different cocktails with it and say, does it work? Does it not? Sure. Um, And so I was quickly burnt out because I was also doing the customer, you know, there's everything in the business, the customer queries, the logistics, the ordering. And then eventually I was like, right, you know, first of all, Financially, that's a huge strain because you're not mm. earning any money. Like you're selling it, but you're putting it straight back to the business.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so by January, like three months in, I was, well, by the end of December, I was completely burnt out. I'm surprised. Um, and then January, I went on, I did a fundraise. So I started reaching out to angel investors to have loads of meetings. That was a huge learning curve. But on that fundraise, was when I got the offer right. that I ended up going with. That, was you expecting
0: yeah. an offer? Obviously not.
1: No. So <laughs> um, I had the meeting and then uh, like later that same day, they were like, okay, we'll send something out. And I, they, there was no word of acquisition. So I was like, this is what I'm raising for. Here's the valuation, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. blah. We talked a lot about the CBD in the cannabis space and I knew a lot about the regulations. So it seemed the meeting went well, but mm. you know, mm. you often don't get what you want when you get the term sheet. No, exactly. Um, and that's very much the experience i would had so far. Like yeah. I've met people that were interested, but not the valuation yeah. that you well, want to give they'll, they'll away. Say, right?
0: They'll say, we'll get to that figure and then yeah. they run down the road. It's like 20% of it. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, because yeah. now as an investor, you want mm. to, you are you know, interested in your own agenda as well, yeah. don't, aren't you? So um yeah yeah, and then at the end of the day I had this offer through and I was like this is an offer to acquire the business Mm. and immediately I was like that's not what I was that's not what I'm after like immediately you have this knee-jerk reaction yeah no matter how deep you are in and this is that relentless like obsessive quality no matter how how much trouble I was in there's still that kickback of like no this is mine like I'm not yeah of course
0: yeah you got got an emotional attachment to it really you
1: have yeah. yeah and I think for me Like for me, business and particularly this first business and the business journey in general has been so intrinsically intertwined with my journey of self-esteem that and I think this probably is part of the reason that it's a baby for lots of people like you grow and you go on a journey with this product and, you know, you build yourself up. You almost are defined by your business to a degree, like it's so yes, linked. Yes. Um, so that was a knee-jerk reaction. I went away and talked to a few people. I think my biggest thing was the offer was incredible. Mm. And I thought that's that's not that's not actually gonna go through. Like <laughs> it's like a really true. good offer yeah. and I'm I'm very early stage, but then I think looking back now, I didn't realise that companies that weren't doing hundreds of millions or tens of millions of revenue got acquired. Right. So I didn't really know about this early stage pre-seed, yeah. you know. Kind of like, yeah. oh, we want to grow, so we just want brands, or we want to bring the talent on board, or whatever it is.
0: Did they not want to keep you on? Was it a straight exit?
1: Yeah, no, so they wanted to keep me on. Right. So I think a big part of it was wanting to grow in the cannabis space and have that yeah. kind of knowledge, expertise, and also a brand.
0: Of course, because you are the brand. I mean, I, if I was going to buy your business, I'd definitely want you on board, because you are the, 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 the nuts and bolts of the brand, right?
1: Oh, 100%, and you're like a you're, you're on your own doing the business, yeah. so you really are, and you also have a bit of traction in the press and stuff, so... Yeah, I think um, I subsequently realized, I think, yeah, I was a big part of yeah. that acquisition. So I ended up being with the company for uh, a year and a half till, till wow. last sort of summer, basically. So you got a
0: payout and an earnout kind of thing. Yeah, right. exactly.
1: Um, so that was the structure. But if you told me, you know, a month before I had that offer, I, I didn't even know what an exit was. Like a friend mm. was like, oh, I might have an exit on the cards. So I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So the learning curve was insane.
0: Can I ask how old old you are?
1: Yeah, 27.
0: So, you know, you became a millionaire in your mid-twenties. How did that change you?
1: (sighs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) It took a long time to sink in, is probably the first answer. Like, you get so used to being really tight like i'd never paid i don't think i've ever paid for a taxi for example before or an uber or whatever before i'd exited right so i walk everywhere like i'd spend minimally i usually took food from home but if i had to buy things i was strictly like the cheapest possible thing like one pound boot yeah. sandwiches right one pound prep coffees even though i found filter coffee disgusting yeah. like i was very 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 frugal sure and so that took ages to come like to, to get out of my system mm. and to be honest i still am like reasonably be frugal i always want i always will want to be a bootstrapper because i think it's a really good way to do business mm. but um yeah it doesn't kick in for a long time when you see that that number change in your bank account you're like
0: yeah yeah
1: you kind of feel like you're living in a dream yeah but at the same time yeah it doesn't hit was it still a, doesn't really hit to be fair because
0: for me when, when i did when i sold my business it was like the actual the the event the day event was almost like an anti-climax. it was the journey that was the most important thing but how did did it feel like oh wow this is gonna oh, it just was like a normal day or do you remember
1: <laughs> no for me it felt like winning the lottery oh, Wow, okay. and I think there have been six months of due diligence and by the way the context here lockdown one happened right. like two weeks after I got the offer sure sure so um I was you know the six months you know you think like you have it so you have two processes for people mm. that don't know yeah you have the sort of right, we're, we want to explore this. We want to yeah. go ahead with this. Yeah. And that doesn't guarantee anything. No. Although I did have a down payment. And then you have, you know, six months, nine months of diligence. And they diligence. literally check yeah. under
0: the carpet, don't they? Everything.
1: They look at every <laughs> yeah. penny you've ever spent, yeah. every email you've ever sent, every contract, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that takes ages. And then the lawyers are really slow and blah, blah, blah. And they're fiddling yeah. over little language. And so for six months, I was like, because of COVID as well, I was like, I've either won the lottery Yeah. or... I maybe don't have a business to continue with hmm. because I'd lost, immediately lost all those pub listings, bar listings, restaurants yeah. i worked for, yeah. obviously disappeared in, Jan- in February. Yeah. So for me on the day was, yeah, it was a, it was a magical day. It was a and, magical day. But why how, was it an anticlimax
0: for you? Well, it's because I think for me, I, I was 99.9% living, breathing in my business is all I ever did. And then um, when it wasn't there anymore, I didn't know what to do I kind of felt I didn't have a purpose anymore you know and it kind of yeah. like struck me thought well the money's good but it dawned but on me that it's, it's not everything sense that, of loss yeah, right what am I going to do now so it's kind of like I think I think yeah. Stephen Bartlett said that about his business didn't he it's a bit like I kind of like lost my identity a little bit what I was going to do so that that was it for me but with you you were, you were staying on there a little bit I but mean
1: because of my upbringing like y- you can't I couldn't help but be just blown away. Like I knew how important yeah. this was. This yeah. is what annoys me in the start. world. There's a lot of people with quite a lot of money and privilege behind them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, a million isn't a lot of money. Like it's just yeah. starting out. I'm like, well, actually like, get your amount. head back on the ground because yeah. a million pounds totally. is a hell of a lot of money totally. for so many people. Um, but yeah, no, the anti-climax stuff I completely get because yeah. I had that, what they call apparently separation anxiety for yeah. a long time. Mm. But as a mate said, you can cry all the way to the bank. Like. Yeah you know totally. you just to see these, these things in perspective but so you don't yeah. feel as
0: if you sold it too early how's it doing now you, it sounds like it was everything was perfect timing to an extent
1: it was perfect timing i think especially since tons of regulation came in afterwards with regards to EU law and novel foods around CBD. So essentially Europe were like, we're not happy with this being in food and drink. And they essentially put a massive barrier to entry. So you had to suddenly do hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of testing, which really narrowed down the brands. So that would have really scuppered you, right? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So without serious investment, I wouldn't have had um, money to put into that. So yeah. Um, Good timing, excellent timing. Timing is if, everything with business. It though, really it? is, yeah. it really
0: is. I'll be interested to find out what your future and current investments are on your other projects. But I'll, you mentioned um, your upbringing. I want to I learn about that. Talk to us about that, your upbringing since school and your kind of journey pre your wonderful sell exit.
1: Yeah, I think my upbringing was quite tough. Definitely had, um, yeah, first of all, I think there's always extra stress when you grow up um, in a household that's A, busy, so there were seven of us in the house, and wow. lots of fighting, lots of noise, lots of energy, um, and then also we were very poor. So um, I was on free school meals, and certainly my, t- my well, all the way from primary school, to be honest, into my teens, was very tumultuous. Um, got into drugs and alcohol very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of difficulties, really. and I think, on the surface, I was quite social. But I was also very isolated underneath. I didn't have any close friends. And I think the big thing for me was at 11, I managed to, I didn't want to go, but I was put into a grammar school because I managed to get close on the waiting list. And grammar schools, although they're supposed to be about helping, you know, kind of poor kids with ambition or a spark yes you know get up that ladder the yes. reality is they are utilized by wealthy parents who can afford private schools totally. but think if we don't have to shell out 40 grand a year per kid yeah why would we so instead yeah. they channel a bit of money into tutoring and so I was one of three girls in my year that was on free school meals mm. so I was a bit of a social pariah because of that
0: Oh, I just um, interject there. I mean, yeah. very, very similar upbringing to me. I was born in the cabin, very poor, had the free school meals, felt isolated, felt inferior and kind of felt, just felt unworthy or not as good as other people, right?
1: And how long did you, did that last for you? Because I think it's,
0: I think to a certain extent, I'm 46 now. There's still remnants of it now. I kind of like, you know, walking into the canteen and you get this in, in a, you in know, carrier bag your bloody sandwiches and everyone else has got, you just felt inferior and kind yeah. of like
1: you feel poor you feel like <laughs> yeah. a piece of shit basically yeah and um yeah I remember really clearly and it's funny isn't it how like you don't post proce- you are processing these things, these things at the time but probably not as much like the older yeah. you get the more you process back on things sure. like exactly. I, in year seven I had a like one of the few birthday parties arranged I think by my siblings and there was like a small town hall near our flat mm-hmm. in Wood Green and you know, in year seven, because you've only been there not that long. I think like I'm born in December, so it's like two months in. You just your yeah. class gets invited. You know, it's almost like a primary school vibe. Yeah. And I think like no, like no one turned up. Maybe one person turned up, mm. and it was honestly like really embarrassing. Yeah, because I was just there, and honestly, it was just a really sad I, I'm day. I'm the same. I was born. Yeah. In De- I was
0: born in December. I went to a grammar school as well, believe it or not. But I think I think I, I even felt inferior in school because they all had the nice houses and I didn't. You know, I've got, yeah. never invited friends around to my house because exactly. I'm too embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm, exactly. I'm, and birthdays, I never kind of like, I don't bother with, but it sounds a bit like I'm not one for those kind of things. And even though as an entrepreneur, you have to kind of be up there and out, out there and do. I do lots of social media. I kind of like, I don't necessarily like the limelight. Mm. What do you think to that?
1: I would say... I'm um, not so that likes a lot limelight, but I do think it's very useful. And what I do get a lot out of is helping other people. And mm. I think when you are in the limelight for something other than Instagram pictures, it's the and intention the outfit, of it. Yeah, though.
0: that's, that's, that's the purpose of it. So what I mean by that, I think a lot of people are on social media just to get the dopamine hit or just to get the recognition. And I think that's an issue in society at the moment.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Everyone wants to be famous these days. Everyone wants to be an influencer, right? Yeah. I think for me, I was actually very anti-social media. Mm. But when I started the business, I thought I have to put myself out there because, yeah, you know, if you don't have the marketing budget, you almost need to be the marketing tool for your business. So mm. um, I actually only, and I only started on Instagram because um, I kept meeting people and they were like, no I don't swap numbers what's your Instagram like and I was like yeah yeah <laughs> I don't have an Instagram so I again to get an Instagram and like weird yeah. it's, a, it's those kind of weird dynamics where I'm like social but also not that social yes. like I didn't really see the point of it and still Instagram's not really my vibe but I yeah. LinkedIn you know I actually ended up growing by accident you've because you've done one well on there you know a
0: big viral post didn't you as well like quite a big one yeah
1: that was selling the business that was yeah. bloody, bloody mental like yeah um that got 12 million views or mm. something which again actually being go- blowing up re- a lot all the time or having a viral post that's another sensation which you'll know about as well because yeah, your post did crazy well yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's like do you get the sense of overexposure kind of like you feel a bit weird or overwhelmed yeah it was
0: a little bit like that but it was almost, it was such a like positive post but like e- e- even that what i've learned is that e- e- you know there's always 5 or 2 or 2 to 5% of people that just can't handle that and you get the jealousy you get the trolls and you the more kind of more kind successful of, yeah. you get on social media the the more kind of haters you get um i'm not sure i think you have experienced something like that haven't you
1: yeah i mean they actually say that you're not truly successful unless you have a few haters that's true isn't it yeah 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 (laughs) um yeah no so i had this viral post in may um so actually like i didn't announce exiting or anything um until i was kind of um done i think it was we i would have been done working with the company yeah. Um and obviously that was incredible, had so many messages of support because I think my post was about um just, you know, who I am, I guess, growing up in free school meals and not having any family of money and having mm. no network and starting from scratch, but I managed to, to, to do something against the odds, which I sure. guess is a story that, you know, is it's people an resonate story. from. It's really good. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, a few months after that, um I started to be trolled by so the internet trolls are like it's not fine. But you expect it, right? And yeah. if it, it's strangers behind the screen and, you know, it, it can be incredibly unpleasant depending on how intense it is, but they are still behind the screen. You can block them. Mm. What happened to me was I was trolled and harassed by, not someone that I really knew, but someone in my network. Right. In the kind of startup oh, okay. scene, basically. So it wasn't basically.
0: completely random? Was someone that, no, right. yeah, it wasn't okay. someone,
1: yeah. And um, I, I, I still to this day don't know why, but um, I started to get... F- Messages First of all, like, very calm, like, like you know, well done, saw your post, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then kind of switched to quite questioning, like, oh, you know, how much revenue you're doing and asking questions about the business sale that as someone that had also allegedly exited would know that you're not sharing that stuff about, yeah. you know, it's kind of confidential information, etc. Right. And then just, I quite quickly shut off because I was like, look, you know, I can't talk about this stuff. But mm. okay, no mm. worries. And then turning around and being like, oh... So this was all happening initially through Instagram. Um, oh, you, uh, I just want to say that I don't believe your story. Like, I was happy for you, but then I decided that I don't believe it. And I was like, okay. Right. I was like, there's plenty of like press articles and verified stuff out there. I mean, if you want to go and have a read, you got basically. this stopped. direct to yours while they doing it this online? This is direct. Right, yes, right, it's yeah, d- yeah. in DMs. Um, mm. At that point, I went, this is weird. It's getting weird now. <laughs> um, so I stopped replying, obviously. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, for the next month or so, I had like just, I don't know, like 50 messages, and they get oh. more and more threatening. Wow. I'm going to out you. Started commenting on my photo, like, on my images on Instagram in the comment section, like, if you don't reply to me, I'm going to out you. Like, started to be more threatening. Mm. You're going to go to jail. I was like, you know, I think when you're really resilient, you just you kind brush of be... it to the side. You're like, this yeah. person's clearly yeah. has their own stuff going on and yeah. whatever. But just turn a blind eye. But when you're opening your phone and you have all these threatening messages that's, and then scary, move to it? another platform. So yeah. it's like LinkedIn messages. That's stalking you almost. Right? Stalking, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I subsequently found out like down the line that this person had been calling and LinkedIn messaging the business that acquired me at all hours at 1am, 3am for three months like they'd spoken to him already and been like look there is nothing to like discover a crusade here against right? everything you, that's like gone out yeah. is as and they confirmed it even because there was so much pressure from this weird individual yeah and then after that he just continued to harass so wow. that was honestly a very weird experience and i think i didn't ex- realize how much it affected me till probably several months mm. afterwards and then i did end up reporting him to the police so that went mm. on record and sure. um took the formal channels but i think someone that's you know, had a bit of a rough upbringing. As you'll probably think, it didn't mm. seem like as no. much at the time. Like you just no. think, well, you, you know, you do it brush it's what it off, is. but it
0: does affect you. And it's, yeah. it's I think it's, you have got to take it as all in a funny, paradoxical way as a compliment. As difficult <laughs> as that sounds, it's not easy. to Everyone says that, but it's like <laughs> I just want to be you. But when it gets yeah. to that, when it gets to that point, it, it goes beyond any kind of like you think you have no to act, way. you have to do something. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, well done on that. And then I
1: did hear yeah. also. I think one of the yeah. things that spurred me to. Yeah. go public with it was that yeah. someone said oh it's not just you like at the company uh at this company you know there's a there's a culture of harassment oh right um and all of this and people had stories and so I went Do you know what? like Let's it's a bit with the me too thing like someone should speak out because actually yeah. you might be helping someone more than yourself so no fair play to but yeah you. no it was it was uh it was good to put that behind me because it was you know that's what I guess what comes with, yeah it's the with the chalice I, I want to go back
0: to the, so, so the the school thing in a minute, but yeah, but another question for you is kind of like throughout this journey of yours, how have you kept your mental health in check because you haven't really done it on your own you say you haven't got mentors do you have like a routine or do you have uh, you know what, what what's your mental health journey been like as well would you say
1: um so I would say like lots of people sometimes it's in check and sometimes it isn't in check yeah. so for me, um, one outlet would be cycling. Um, mm. I like cycling because I can't be on my like on my phone, and because yes. there's a lot to concentrate on, and also there's a wind going through your ears. It's like you can't hear much. It's just mm. it's a, it takes you away a bit. So that's been a good outlet for me. But the really big thing for me, actually, that I've only cracked very recently, is I'm very intense, and I have you know, high pro- a lot of high processing going on. So yeah. sometimes when I'm on a good day, I can do like maybe a week's worth of stuff. You know, I can really right. process yeah. really fast. Yeah. So on the days sort where of, it's not working for me, or I don't feel quite right, and maybe I've just I'm not there in the head in the same way. A yeah. bad day. Yeah. If I would beat myself up for that, which I would do a lot, that bad day would become a bad week. Absolutely. And the only thing, the thing I've cracked recently is by just going not. Every day can be a good day, mm,
0: absolutely. and that's that's Except, okay. Accept that; and that's yeah. always going to be the case.
1: Stop forcing yourself into trying yeah. to do things. So sometimes on those yeah. days, I'll do nothing. I'll just fully relax and switch off. And sometimes yeah. I'll do just one or two things to feel like I've still achieved something. You know something what? That's a game
0: changer because you're successful and you're highly ambitious, and it's almost like when you do get a down moment. You don't have to fill it with anything. You can fill it with nothing. And that can be the best productivity hack ever or the best yeah. next best thing to do. You don't have to always be pushing forward, I don't think. And I think some people say, like, you've got to work hard. You've got to do 24-7. And I think... Oh. I just think these days you can work smart, but they I, I, don't
1: do they? No one no. works twenty four seven successfully no one doesn't have bad days that's the thing yeah, exactly. they're lying if they say they haven't
0: you've got you've got to you you've got to be vulnerable you've got to be open, you've got to talk about these things as well and be real. I think that's probably why you've done very well because you you, you strike me as someone who who is a, a human being as well as you know a great business entrepreneur as well
1: I'm the person that asks stupid questions <laughs> like I'm yeah, the person yeah. that just puts their hand up and yeah i've never um I've just never really got the whole big mm. fake thing. Like it's mm. the same for me at school. Like the whole clique, the whole thing that goes on in school, yeah. school kids is like cliques and behaving a certain way to fit yeah. in. And that was really to my detriment, I think, at All school right. because I was just like, I don't get it. Like if I am fake and then I fit into this group but I don't really fit into the group. Only my fake persona does. And then I still have no friends because I'm not being myself. So like from day one, I didn't really get that. And then I ended up kind of having friends, but no one close. And I think that's something that's done me really well as an adult. Could be straight talking. Authentic, I guess. Yes. That was terrible (laughs) with being a kid, but
0: Yeah. yeah. So what's been your darkest moment, would you say?
1: Oh, um, Probably more in like more recent years, I think at some point between the idea and the launch, probably further on with the gin, I had a bit of a breakdown. And I don't even know why. I think there's so much going on in my head and it's so hard to explain. I probably didn't have that support network around me either. And I just felt like I couldn't get to where I wanted to get to and the um, the ambition and the kind of weight of it all just really crushed me. And yeah, I think I spent like a week in bed and I really, really struggled to to come back and, and work mm. on it. I think for me, yeah, they say it must have been towards the end because all around launch time and, and around that burnout time because... Um, I remember thinking, I put myself out there now. Like I've, t- I've yeah. told people there was an article, that there was a LinkedIn. And all in your in your head, it's so much bigger than that. You're like, everyone knows.
0: I am world famous <laughs> now. <laughs>
1: yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. And everyone's going to know I've like fucked up or I've failed. Yeah. And that, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's yeah. hard to say when it's in your head as well. Because, you know, if someone dies or, you know, something really obviously bad happens, mm. people have empathy but when there's stuff all mostly going on in your head yeah it's really hard to express that and so you feel extra bad because you're like so isolated and so consumed in your own mind yeah so that was and it's honestly one of the toughest moments and today i can't even say why particularly that moment mm. i think i was just so overwhelmed with sure. and just so many you know as you go along you find so many more difficult like you you yeah. answer questions but then more questions come along
0: and yeah so with your success i mean w- when i was successful you know i had lots of people around me but when I kind of lost that success it was very very eye-opening around who I thought was my friends and who weren't so talk to us about how the family have been with you if you don't mind and also the friends and how that's changed now you know you now you're out there doing your thing.
1: So I think I, I didn't really have much of a close relationship with my family um, growing mm. up and okay. especially I'd say from teens I kind of more or less moved out Fifteen, sixteen. 16. How
0: many siblings do you have? Five?
1: Four? Uh, one, yeah, one or five. So I've got four. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have any kind of relationship. I kind of severed ties quite early on. And I'd say it's only in the last two-ish, two, three years that I've actually started to reconnect those That's relationships. quite early
0: since. So you moved out at 15. Why was that?
1: Uh, I think I just wasn't happy at home. I wanted more freedom. Um, and yeah. I was just really disillusioned, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of tensions at home. Um, yeah, just a mixture of wasn't reasons. Serving really, me, basically, wasn't serving me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so I've started rekindling. That, 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 so that was not really a thing. Like yeah. there wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, mum and dad, I've done this. I've had this thing. It yeah, Probably yeah. didn't have that really.
0: So you didn't it, didn't. it strikes me, although it's a it's a big family. Um, I don't want to disparage your family. It's not for me to say, but it doesn't sound like they were very supportive, or wasn't supportive of.
1: I think there just wasn't really a relationship there right. and um, so yeah I think that's been a big part of my journey really is it's learning to be enough for me
0: because in a paradoxical way I mean I was abandoned by my parents all this kind of stuff but that gave me my drive and I think the sim- yeah. again it's similar with you it's almost like it's, it was a horrible feeling but almost it kind of forced you to be your own mother father boss entrepreneur and kind of do it yourself right yeah
1: you have to take care of yourself and to be honest, as much as... I think it's wonderful. Like, one of the things I would say
0: mm.
1: we we would be rare in is that if you're an entrepreneur, you usually have one of two things. You either have privilege, financial support, yeah. a lot of, you know, rich uncles or whatever, or like trust yeah. funds, or if you don't have that, you usually at least have some sort of break or really supportive parents or someone in your life that pushes you. Yeah. It's very... I think unusual. I haven't met many people who've had this disjointing upbringing that we have. Yeah. And then if you've, you've done it for yourself, but yeah. without anyone really telling you to, I think that's, that's quite unusual because it does make it so much harder when there's not someone like you have to tell yourself you're good enough. Yeah. You have to be good enough for yourself. There's no one else going yeah. like you did a great job today, champ. Like, absolutely. And that takes a lot, a yeah. lot out of you. But then when you're on the other side, mm. you're much more independent and stable pers- stable to a degree of person. Cause yeah. yeah, I think anyway, you are the only person that's really got your back when yeah. it comes down to it. Everyone has slightly their own interests at heart, even within families.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think the power of um, ditching your friends or your family if you need to around you're only as good as the people around you, and if there's no one good around you, yourself is enough as well. And I think it's so important your environment, who you're who you associate with, and um, so it's kind of moving forward. Then you've, you've got your payout. Um, have you fully exited now then?
1: Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Fully so, exited. So, what,
0: you, what you do, you, you've got some other interests now, though, right?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have got a few things on the <laughs> burn, as always. So, um, after I exited, I kind of took some time out, enjoyed the summer, and I bought a house as well. Um, so, that was probably my first big purchase, apart from taking Ubers everywhere and then realizing I actually do like walking. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so, that was. Like, lo- very life-changing, to be honest, to be able to buy a house mm. in central London. Never saw that coming at yeah. all. Um, and especially, I think, where I grew up, I remember very clearly, you know, um, you know, having things like my window smashed in by a stranger who, right. was, like, followed me home and being a schoolgirl and having my keys be- between my fingers sure, yeah, just for yeah. a short walk off the bus in the winter. So, yeah. I think the area where I'm in now, I just... I feel so lucky, not only because it's incredible and I have a bloody house, but the fact yeah. that I can feel safe walking around, I think, is Do you feel you really you, nice? Is
0: there, is there a sense of I deserve it or do you still feel unworthy of that?
1: I think um I think I've got to a place now where I feel worthy and I can take Great. responsibility for more, for what I've done. But certainly for about six months after the exit I I really couldn't, and I think mm. that's probably I've probably more been aware of my low self esteem through that experience particularly because I kept thinking, well, oh, yeah. it's really amazing what's happened to me, but it's happened to me like I I did do a lot of things, but like it was luck in the end, and then yeah. I think uh, I think the key thing was actually I had. <laughs> I had another acquisition offer like a month after launching which was like a quite big drinks company in the UK saw me in a thing and went oh she's a resourceful young entrepreneur and we want to get in the CBD drink space so I had uh, less good but still incredible offer just like a a few weeks in as well and I went right (laughs) you can put something down to luck but actually if you have two that's saying something about Mm. you and also you are, you put yourself in those situations, you yeah. know? but that took me a lot of time yeah. in my own head, I think, to get yeah. to. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but again, you've got to give yourself the credit. No one else is going to. No, and if you don't, no, people no. will just be like, oh, all right. No,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so I've read up, you're, you're investor in uh, Paper Round and Thursday dating, is that right?
1: Yeah, so I'm investor in Thursday um, and Paper Round is one of mine. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a kind of, at the moment, it's got a training course for... Uh, a journalist-led training course of brands to understand how to do their own PR in-house. Yeah. So that was really crucial for me. The PR directly led to my exit. It yeah. lab- enabled me to launch, get pre-sales. And obviously, it's free. So once you have the skills, you can just wheel them out forever, which is, I think, a really useful skill. And it's kind of storytelling. Yeah, so it's of very course. much the core of brand branding and marketing anyway. So that's one of mine. Also, Eco Drinks, which is right. a yerba mate, kind of natural energy okay. drink. So a few little dibs and dabs here, but I pause investing now um, because I'm looking ahead at investing, self-funding my next company.
0: Oh, wow. What's that going to be?
1: So I'm looking at the menopause space. Oh, um, wow. Women's health. I just feel like it's huge. I always wanted to do something that could make a positive difference to people's lives. Yeah. not saying that gin doesn't, but not quite the same way. I'm
0: so impressed by your tenacity, your ambition, your drive, your humbleness as well what what challenges did you have because you know there's a lot of stuff at the moment with equity and equality and kind of diversity as well as a young woman what difficulties did you have in that regard in terms of being stigmatized or whatever
1: um stigmatized or whatever (laughs) sorry that made me laugh um yeah i had a few experiences i think it's a bit like things like corruption, right? Mm. I feel like a lot of the um, prejudice, sexism, racism that goes on in this country is quite subtle. So I think a lot of things that you, you know, not getting a job or whatever, a lot of people I don't think will actually ever, you know, some of it's overt, but a lot of it's covert. A lot of it's sure. going on behind the scenes. You know, you don't get that job or yeah, you get yeah. offered less money for something. So yeah. Those ones, I guess, I wouldn't, I don't know so much about. Certainly, when I went into the drinks world, I was quite taken aback Mm. because the drinks world, you know, you think alcohol, you think parties, those adverts, you know, young women and men, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, But the reality is, behind the scenes, it was very much middle aged, very, very, very white yeah. not yes. kind of diverse when i went to like the first kind of drinks expo um kind mm. of thing like that um middle aged white males yeah middle aged white males yeah, yeah. particularly yeah. and i went oh okay but i guess mo- lots of industries are like that and still mm. are today so it's, yeah. it's certainly changing one experience i remember very clearly however is for me, the, the the key to actually getting to work, getting to launch, having never worked behind a bar, knowing nothing about the drinks industry, so coming in completely fresh, yeah. was actually like support. So reaching out to people on LinkedIn and being like, um, "I just think that you know, you seem really switched on in the entrepreneur space. I'm really trying to learn. Um, I have this idea. I'm crazy ambitious. Could you maybe yeah. sit down for a coffee with me?" So I had loads of coffee meets, and I also utilized things like the Facebook uh, food hub group. So groups where business owners and brand owners will just free of charge. You can answer questions like what license do I need for this? Yeah. So that was incredibly useful. And I had one that I sat down with uh, who was the founder of quite a fast growing startup in the drinks world. Yeah. And it was a super useful meeting. He was like, here's all the spreadsheets. This is how you approach supermarket listings, blah, blah, blah. Um, And he was like, yeah, I'm happy to follow up over email of some stuff. And then after that got completely ghosted. And I was like, okay uh it's always a shame because you really do as a like as a young person yeah. with big ambition you put so much weight on people helping you you're mm. like you get so much from it and you kind of go "Oh, yeah. this is going to get me to that next step yeah and oh i don't want to go into too much detail but basically i ended up obviously being ghosted and then emailing and being like oh you know following up getting nothing and then i saw him at an industry event about six months later maybe or three months later and um he said something. He was quite drunk at the time, and he said something like, "Oh, I just... I said, why did you ghost me? You said you would help, and then you just kind of abandoned it." And he was like, "Oh, something like I... I just couldn't, because I felt really attracted to you." And I was like, "What
0: the wow fuck?
1: Yeah, it was just really weird." And yeah, I was yeah, just like, yeah. "I mean, can't you just be professional? Like, it was just really weird, a really weird experience." Yeah. So that was one of the more overt ones. That I was like. Mm. And it was just really sleazy as well the way he was like at the event. So I was like, and he was married. So I was like, oh, this is yeah. Unfortunately, it's still still
0: too commonplace. Unfortunately, isn't it? but Hopefully, you know, the more women like you that are putting your head above the parapet and and doing your great stuff, it will hopefully. Change for the better. I
1: hope so. I think role models are really important, yeah. and like you know, growing up, even look at like Dragons Den. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, the only businesswoman I would have named is Deborah Meaden. Yeah. There's so many more yeah. than one, like, which I think is also why it's Amazing. important to to be out there. But for example, networking events, being young and female, especially like recently, you I know, just got you guys get completely overlooked where you're in a couple of a, a really? kind of a group of three. Yeah. And there's a. a Full of suits, depending on the area, right? This is more like a city networking, and yeah. people just literally just talk to the person next to you and completely ignore you, thinking, "Oh, here's a like a young person, and it's a woman. Mm. She probably knows fuck mm. all. Like yeah. she won't be able to help <clears throat> me." So I had this guy pitching to the guy next to me, and completely ignore me. Like I'd interject, I'd say something, you know, yeah. in the gap, and then he'd completely ignore me. Go back, and I knew that I could help this guy so much yeah. with the product. And then eventually just walked away because I just got the, completely. It's
0: the ignorance and arrogance yeah. of that, isn't it? I mean, <sighs> but so you can so laugh laugh it off, I'm sure. Um yeah. we're kind of coming towards the end. Honestly, you're an inspiration. It's been fascinating speaking to you. I I can't um give you enough superlatives. I mean, and you're and you're so young as well, that you've got the whole world in front of you. I think we might have missed out a little bit of your yeah. journey in between we talked about the school thing. Between school and uni, what happened? Anything interesting there that you want to share?
1: Uh Interesting, not particularly. I almost got kicked out of school. I managed to scrape by um, the grades I needed to stay there. Yeah. Did, know, you, you did, you
0: skive did you Skype a
1: lot? Oh, fucking hell. I have like 30% <laughs> attendance. I, I remember was the being the same. There are so yeah. many
0: similarities. I, did, I think in the last year, I didn't complete a full week. I used to. Uh, forged my dad's signature on the notes and sick notes and stuff like that. <laughs> well,
1: this is the thing with not really being at home. It's yeah. like the phone calls home don't really make a difference, no. and especially at, in sixth form as well. Like I don't know, when I was there, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. legal obligation anyway. No, so no. yeah, no attendance at all. Scraped by, scraped by in uni. Changed a lot during uni. Ended up coming back to London to work because I was really bored. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, not a lot in between that time apart from a I bit of a yeah. Interesting stint in working in uh, TV news, which was kind Oh, of yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss that? That was a competition as well. I've was won a it? lot of competitions throughout my life, which has kind of uh, <laughs> been yeah. quite helpful. Uh, mm, I don't... I miss it to a degree. I mean, hmm. new, journalism, talking to people, hearing stories is incredibly yeah. fun. But what yeah. wasn't fun is like the 4 a.m. starts, the 13-hour days. But I used to do no. the ITV news at six. So Did you? You would start there wow. with nothing. Yeah. You have to get... Obs- almost like similar to entrepreneurs, you'd have to yeah. get obsessed with something in that day have this do the story do all the Mm. interviews thing and then you'd watch it go out so it's very much a quick sense of achievement I guess yeah
0: if if there were three or four things that you could have been taught at school that you weren't taught what do you think they should be would have been
1: something I'd still love to to learn today is like public speaking so actual like talking to a crowd I can't do that and I think that's probably partly low self-esteem but certainly like having more support there at school with being able to this is yeah. what private schools get by the way yeah. they get like literal public speaking lessons yeah. but that would be amazing um entrepreneurship obviously just knowing that this was an option i think yeah. i spent quite a lot of time being angry that i only just fucking discovered this at like age 22 i was like yeah, yeah, why yeah. is this not an option and all oh, more than that more than entrepreneurship why are why aren't the arts an option yeah like at my school they were like Oh you know here are the important subjects yeah. science maths blah yeah. blah blah yeah. and the not important ones are arts and languages but particularly arts yeah. and then you f- you find out after you finish uni mm. that creative people are some of the highest paid people in the industry Absolutely. and you're like oh my god
0: we're just so confused. what is it even about
1: this snobbishness yeah. around subjects yeah it's just, just, it's just yeah. to put us
0: in a box to control us, I think. I'm not, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists. I am, well, I am actually, to be honest. <laughs> and I think that the conspiracy theorists are often the ones that I speak, think speak a lot of the truth as well. Okay. But on the public speaking thing, right, again, another similarity. I've built businesses, I do podcasts, but the public speaking thing is a bit of a Achilles heel. Mm. Why do you think that is for you, considering your success and your confidence in building your business? Now you had self-doubt, but is it the fear of, getting something wrong in front of people? What What's holding you back there?
1: I feel like, I don't know how it is for you, but I feel like this, bur- like this burning of the eyes on me, and I feel like they can just see me. Right. Like, they can almost see me in a bad, I don't know, a bad light, or maybe mm. like see all my insecurities and stuff. It's probably not a logical thing, but there's something about like having a conversation like we are now. Mm. Okay. Panels, okay, because I'm getting asked a question. It's the yeah. idea of talking uninterrupted yeah that freaks me out like i probably in incredible moments of stress my mind can go blank so i think
0: mm. that's probably a- i'm the same i hold warm in mean, sitting down or in a panel but it's, for me it's it's the physical act of standing up in front of someone and being above them it's a weird thing that i probably we probably both need to find someone to help us with. That, yes but- <laughs> we should yeah do but um they say facial fear don't they so we're kind of coming towards the end now so mm. last couple of questions so Um, If you could turn the clock back, what would you do differently, if anything?
1: Do my business earlier. Start in business earlier. Earlier? And just like (laughs) find the right people to be around. Which You can't really do that early. Maybe if ditched uni because uni was kind of a waste of time for me. I felt so much like I'd wasted time. So I spent a year fundraising, street fundraising, which is another job I think everyone should do. I also worked in McDonald's. These right. two jobs that really built me up, I think, in the, in the interim. Is that, that's
0: like the confidence of interaction speaking to people, right? Yeah, or- stopping
1: people on the street. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're British, because you don't talk to people normally. And then having to like build a rapport and then get their bank details all in one sitting. Yeah, it's a bit but of a skill, a hard that. sell, yeah. whatever you are. So, yeah. yeah, that was one of the toughest jobs. I actually got fired after the first week, and I begged <laughs> to have another chance. Yeah. And I ended up doing that for a year and progressing through the ranks. But, um yeah. Yeah, I think that was huge for me. And then I would just have loved to know about business a bit earlier, I think. Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not necessarily about big business, but even small things, you know, learning and finding yeah. something that you love rather than having this thing of like, there's just so little exposure to what careers can be and what you can do in life
0: yeah.
1: until you're in it. And then people yeah. find like, oh, I can't retrain now. Well, the only connections I have is in this path. Yeah. So it's really tough. And I think retraining, reskilling or just having more exposure instead of GC- like, instead of A-levels, I think people should do you know, four or eight different placements in completely different industries. Absolutely. Because you only learn what you like by finding out what you don't like. Mm. And I just think that would make everyone so much happier rather than people, you know, um, whiling away weeks and weeks, you know, forty hour weeks, sixty hour weeks and stuff that they hate. Yeah. Because if you love it, it's not work in the But same they're also way.
0: conditioned into one way of thinking and one you know, they don't they're not they're looking at different people's perspectives or willing or even curious as well. Mm. I think I think that's Curiosity important Curiosity
1: is such an important trait, I think. Yeah. You want to understand why Absolutely. and study things and yeah.
0: Yeah. I think all too often we fall into the trap of that person's going to be like that because of that. But if you don't ask the question or, and also I think a leader needs to be prepared to be challenged and have feedback as well. I'm all for that. I would to be told yeah. something. I want to be told the, the bad stuff, not the good stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, how, how useful is good job? Well done. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you want to know like, well, what can I do better? Yeah. Like what? why i guess yeah. as human beings i think we and someone that works a lot with brands and storytelling as well we always want to know why the why yeah. is the most important thing yeah. that matters like oh you yeah. did a thing but actually your background having been you know born in a caravan yeah. abandonment like your parents that yeah. why makes your success so much more important exactly. so much more there's yeah, so much more to it
0: yeah it's got some substance there yeah so the last couple of questions what keeps you up on at night in terms of what what, what worries you and also what gets you out of bed what excites you
1: I think, uh, so the first one, what worries me right now, <laughs> I'm doing two extensions on my house and the whole site is like back to bricks. So the builders right. really worry me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you got to keep an eye on that shit. Um, it's a lot of money and it's about, yeah, a good couple of months worth of work. So that's stressing me out. I've learned a lot about yeah. the standard widths of, uk doors and right. regulation there's on where to, windows start
0: well just when you think you're nearly there you've got like all the heating electrics and the electrics yeah. and the points and how many yeah.
1: points there are and where they sit and there's a lot of just desi- you get decision fatigue so that's probably one thing that's stressing me out a lot at the moment and yeah. then second what gets me up i think for quite a while after like exiting i obviously had the time in a business which is the opposite of what most entrepreneurs want and yeah. then after that some kind of time and fiddling around with some ideas and i've been working one-to-one with brands so mm-hmm. i think once I launched Paper Round, the, the latest kind of side venture, that started yeah. to get me out of in in bed in the morning. In a way, like I forgot
0: how right. that felt.
1: I almost didn't know I'd lost it, but I had lost it a little bit. I was like sleeping in rather than waking up and then not being able to sleep because I was like, oh, all these yeah, things are yeah, buzzing yeah. in my mind. So Amazing. Yeah.
0: That's really good. And final question, what would you like to leave the audience with in terms of any advice around entrepreneurship and building their brand, their business, and their life?
1: Whatever you want to do. A, always take risks because we all have a limited time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't want to live with regret. And that eventually pushed me over the edge because I was terrified to start anything. Yeah. And only actually that fear of regret enabled me to get over that in the end. Find people that support you and people that get you, people that are similar energy. yeah, And then the other really big thing is no matter how big the success seems that someone else has achieved mm-hmm. they only started with a few small steps so like just taking that first step a little step, a tiny step that's everyone's first step Yeah. so no matter how big the achievement seems you break it down to a thousand steps and all of those little steps are achievable
0: Sally, I have to say one of the most inspirational podcasts a pleasure to meet you I want to get you <laughs> back you. on in a couple of years because <laughs> God knows where you're going to be then but thank you for coming on the show
1: thank you for having me
0: the Purpose-led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincere, the recruitment operating system used by twenty thousand recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincere because I'm a customer. I love their modern Rec OS system a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle, and back office operations of executive search, permanent contract, and temp businesses. If you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to vincherry They have Follow the Sun support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherryio forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners. The Purpose Dead Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by My People Group. My People Group helps recruitment businesses to inject a genuine added value differential into the service they offer to clients. The product is a data-driven, talent-fit platform that enables and ensures candidates are placed in roles where they will thrive and teams where they will feel happiest. Candidates feel valued throughout the process and hiring managers are empowered to make better decisions. The results are incredible. Recruitment businesses introducing my people as part of their recruitment service are winning much more high-quality business, strengthening existing relationships with clients, and securing more placements. Used internally, the product enables you to develop your people efficiently and allows you to better assess the team fit of new hires. I chose to partner with my people because I firmly believe when identifying, attracting, and developing talent, behaviors and attitudes are just as, if not more important than skills and experience. My people specialise in measuring the environmental, behavioural and psychological factors that affect team success, so I couldn't think of a more aligned partner. They're working with over 50 UK recruitment firms and have previously supported some of Britain's greatest supporting elite teams, such as England Rugby, Saracens RFC, numerous Premier League football teams and the Philadelphia 76ers. They believe that your culture is the key to engaging your people maximizing health and well-being and unlocking team performance so if you're serious and you're looking for a better way to enhance your culture drive performance and make better hiring decisions with my people drop me a line at chris at mindset.com for an exclusive offer for all listeners thank you